But some of the men have problems with having a pink card. There's a, there's a reason why I'm giving you a pink card. That's the only color paper I had. So I was looking, I was like, oh my goodness, are you kidding? Only pink paper. So those of you who are visitors, don't think anything of this. Okay. You know, we don't pass out pink paper all the time. But go ahead and take one and then you can just, <laughs> and just hold on to it. And we'll get to it later on. Oh, and I need one of those. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jim, could I have one of those as well? Just one. And see if anybody who walks in needs one. <laughs> now you notice it says I'm, abstain- I'm abstaining from grumbling and complaining. So you can't complain about the color of this. All right. Turn to James chapter 3. And there, was, there is an announcement I did forget to make. Uh, those of you guys who have been enjoying the NFL fellowship that we've been having on Sunday nights, we will not be meeting tonight. Okay? Now, there's still a football game going on tonight, but we're not meeting here uh, to watch it. So I just want to make sure you, you know that. How many of you guys have been enjoying that, that time together? It's been pretty good, hasn't it? Uh, when we start up back next week, I want to encourage you to bring a friend, you know, invite another brother in the church or someone even outside the church uh, to come and enjoy a time of fellowship with us guys. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for this time. And we thank you specifically for a time that we can have in your word. And I pray and ask, Lord, that you would just minister to us. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Teach us your word this morning. Because we do desire to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We want to be more like Jesus. And Lord, we know... That has, that has a great deal to do with your word. So we just submit ourselves, we line ourselves up, and we position ourselves, Father, right now with our hearts and our minds to receive from you your word that you have for us today. And Father, I thank you for grace that you're extending towards us right now that will enable us to grab a hold of your word, to pay attention, and to embrace it. And to not only be hearers, but doers as well. And so we just give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The last time I talked, it was actually about a month ago. Um, I talked about a certain topic, and I want to continue. My intention was to talk about something else, but... As I was spending time with the Lord early this week, I felt like he told me specifically to go in this direction. So I'm going to do just that. So if you turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 
Starting with verse 1. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both fresh water, both salt water and fresh. Anybody ever read that passage before? Very familiar passage. Obviously, it's talking about the, the tongue, our words, how important they are. Anybody know what I'm doing right now? Besides making an idiot of myself? Do what? No. Not quite. Anybody else? What? Reading the word? Not quite. See, not big my mouth. I already know that. What's that? Yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> now, how am I trying to, trying to tame my tongue by looking? <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Gina. No, actually, I'm watching my mouth. Yeah, yeah. How lame, huh? Have you ever heard that expression, watch your mouth? You better watch your mouth. Anybody ever heard that before? So that's what I'm doing. Watch my mouth. Now, when you hear someone say that, what do they mean by that? Do they mean get a mirror and and look at yourself and watch your mouth movements? Is that what they mean by that? What do they say? Watch your language. Watch what you're saying. Exactly. Be careful what you speak. So has anybody ever had that phrase used towards them? Watch your mouth. Or have you ever said that? Watch your mouth. (laughs) Exactly a lot. Do you believe that the words that we use and say, you believe they are important? Think they make a difference? You know, uh, many of us have probably read this passage several times. And it talks about, especially the verses, like verse 6, or verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a force a little fire kindles. 
And then verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. The tongue defiles the whole body. One little thing in comparison to the size of your body, just like a little rudder on a ship. If you see, you know, these big, massive ships, and then you see the, the device that turns the whole thing in comparison is very small. But that one small thing directs the whole course of that big, massive ship. And just like a horse, I never appreciated um, the part about a horse until now that we have a horse. But horses are big, massive, beautiful animals. They're huge. Anybody ever had a horse before? Anybody ever not have a horse? Anybody ever not pet a horse before? Okay, we got a few people. Yeah, you got to come to our house. We only charge a dollar a pet. You know, one dollar. No, just kidding. But they're huge animals. And I was telling somebody this not too long ago. It's like, man, these things are big. They're massive. They're strong. But yet they, when they're trained, they obey you. They obey you. And one of the tools that's used to direct them is a bit. You put this little piece of metal in their mouth, and wherever you turn that thing, that big animal will turn. And the Bible has given us this analogy and these images to show us that the tongue, in the very same way, the tongue, your tongue, will direct the course of your life. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you really? Or are you just saying that because that's the right answer? Let's look at some other scriptures. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly that talk about the power of the tongue. Uh, if you want to write these down, Proverbs 10:11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 12:18, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 13:3, He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs sixteen twenty four: pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. In Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, 21, a very familiar verse. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18 Six and seven, a fool's lips bring him strife and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing and his lips are a snare to his soul. Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-three: who who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Proverbs 4, 23, 24, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And we've heard that verse many times, guard your heart. For out of, the, out of it flow the issues of life, as one translation says. But then I was thinking, how do you guard your heart? And I believe it goes on to tell you one specific way to guard your heart. Put away a perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. That's how you protect your heart, by the words that you use. Um, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those or give grace to those who hear you. And here's one I found I thought was interesting. Uh, Psalms 34, 11 through 14. It says, come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. 
Come, my children, and listen. I will teach you to fear the Lord. And then what does he say? He says, does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? So if you want to learn to fear the Lord and live a life that's long and prosperous, then it gives you some clues. The first thing it says is keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. And there are many, 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 many more verses in the, in the, uh, more verses in the Bible that talk about the tongue, the words we use. And the, and the question I want to ask again, do we really believe these verses? Do we really believe that the words we say and use make a difference? And if you do believe that, what are you doing about it? Because unfortunately, a lot of times, many of, if not all of us have read many of these verses. We've read James chapter 3, and we know the power of the tongue. We know the, the verse, we can quote it by memory. Um, this power of life and death in the tongue. What does that mean? Power of life and death in the tongue. Does it really mean what it says? Then how does my speech, how does what I say, how does what comes out of my mouth, not on Sunday morning in church, but Monday at work or at school or with my family? How do my words then line up to what I believe about my speech? I mean, you hear what I'm asking? This is our everyday language. How do I talk about myself? How do you talk about yourself? What kind of things do you say about yourself? Does what you say about yourself line up with what God says about you? You know, do you, do you say things like, oh, I'm stupid. I can, I can never understand this. I'll never get this right. I'll never amount to anything. I always mess up, can't do things right. I'm no good, stupid. I'm only human. I got your team. What? What's wrong with that? I'm only human. Actually, that's not true. You're not only human. But does what you say about yourself, does it line up with what God says about you? Now, I really believe the Holy Spirit wants us to consider this because since we all talk, does anybody in here not talk? Put your hands down. <laughs> we all talk. Some of us more than others. I wasn't going to mention any name, but. And here's, here's what this is about. Here's where I'm going with this. I'm only going to speak to you or to those who have a desire, a strong desire to grow in the Lord. Because if you don't have a desire to grow, if you want to stay the way you are, then just continue to do what you're doing. 
But if you have a desire to grow, because I don't know about you, but I do not want to stay like I am right now. Because I want to obtain more and more what he has for me. I don't know if anybody else is in that same situation. Are you completely satisfied with who you are and where you're at right now? Now, of course, we need to learn to be content. But there are certain things that God wants us to move on. He wants us to become more like Christ, doesn't he? Has anybody arrived yet? If you guys arrived yet, make sure everybody didn't put their hands up. And so if you have that longing in your life, in your heart, that, you know, God, I want more of what you have for me. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to, to move into the full purpose and destiny that God has made available for me. Because let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, getting all that God has for you is not an automatic thing. It doesn't just happen. You don't mature in Christ just, just by breathing. We make choices. We make choices that enable us to grow in Christ or just to kind of stay the same. And if what I see in the scriptures, if, if it's true, which I believe it is, and we all believe it is, then the words that we speak, the, the words that come out of our mouths have a tremendous impact on our lives, on our spiritual growth. And it has an uh, impact on the people around us, too. I mean, would you agree, parents, that what you say to your children, how you speak to them has an impact in their lives? So imagine if you have a, a child and you spend a great deal of time yelling at them, tell them how stupid they are when they mess up. Of course, when they don't mess up, you don't tell them how stupid they are. But when they mess up, you tell them how stupid they are, how they remind you of so-and-so, some relative that nobody wants to be like. And we get on to them and we yell at them and we say all these things to them. Do you think that's going to have an impact on their lives? I mean, some of us are products of, of that kind of talking to. And so some of us say things about ourselves because we believe those things about ourselves. Because we've been told those things about ourselves. You know, they say what they say about a lie. If you hear it long enough, then what? You believe it. It becomes truth to you. So many of us have been told lies because if someone tells you you'll never amount to anything, that's a lie. If someone tells you you're stupid, the only way you'll qualify for being stupid is if you hate correction. So as long as you're okay with correction and you want correction, then you're not stupid. If someone says you'll never amount to anything, you'll never, and the list goes on and on and on. Those are lies. And many people are prisoner to those lies because they've been told those things for so long and they begin to believe them. So what's the point? If you find yourself in that situation, whose responsibility is it for you to grow into Christ? But what if you've been raised by people or you've been around people who were emotionally or verbally 
abusive or negative towards you. Now, isn't it their fault that you're not going to be able to grow in Christ? That's a very important truth you need to get a hold of. Now, people have may have said some things to you when you were young or even now. That's not true. That's negative. That's abusive. But it is your responsibility as to what you do with that. I can go in so many different directions with this, but I'm going to try to stay on course. You know, I was fortunate, even though I grew up in a broken home, my parents were divorced when I was 11 or they got divorced when I was 11. I don't ever remember. And I made my share of mistakes. And I do remember the spankings I got. Yes, my parents believed in that, unfortunately. Actually, fortunately. I'm glad they believed in that. And I believe in it too, by the way. Ask my kids. Ask them if I'm a doer of the word. No, no, I'm just kidding. But even though I made all kinds of mistakes, I did some boneheaded things, did some dumb things. I don't ever remember my parents telling me how stupid I was or that I'll never amount to anything. I never remember my mom saying... You know, they were divorced, obviously for bad reasons. My mom never said, you're going to be just like your father. Matter of fact, if and when she ever said something like that, it was a compliment. Because my father's a good man. Now, he made his mistakes, obviously. They got divorced for many of those mistakes. But I was very fortunate that I was not given labels. Matter of fact, what my mom said, she would say, CJ, you can do anything you want to. You can be anyone you want to be when you grow up. And she'd always say, even be the president. That's right. Have no desire to be president. But she would say, she would say that kind of thing. And so fortunately, it was put in me that I could do whatever I wanted to. In other words, the only thing holding me back would be me. And so I first, I I don't know if that's the reason, but I'm very sensitive when I hear parents say things that are kids like you idiot or you stupid or you, they just call them names and all that kind of stuff. I just cringe because they don't realize the damage that they are doing to that child. And I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, hopefully make it back to, but parents, please be careful in labeling your child, your children and protect them. From the public schools labeling your children. Because they want to throw labels on them all, I mean, all, all the time. You know, throwing these, these initials, H, ADD, HQP, whatever the initials are. They so quickly want to throw these labels on your kids. And so your kid will get this label thrown on him when he's a young age, five, six, seven, eight, and then they live with that for the rest of their lives. And then whenever they come up against a challenge and they say, oh, I can't accomplish this because I'm. 
And some of you adults are, are the product of that. Whenever you come up, you're, you're moving forward. And all of a sudden you hit a wall. You hit a challenge. And you say, oh, I can't do that because... Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would expose the lies that are in our lives. Expose the lies that we've, that we've believed in all our lives. Expose them and deal with them. You know, that, that uh, we use that phrase, I'm only human. How many of you ever said that? Well, I'm only human. When is that phrase used? Right after a what? A mistake. Exactly. So it's like an excuse. Well, I made that mistake. I did that because I'm only. I'm about to remove that mistake. I made that excuse from you. Because you are not only human. If you are born again, you are not only human. You can no longer use that because the Bible talks about and teaches that when we are born again, the spirit of God, the creator of the universe comes and dwells within us. Now, is he human? So if he's inside of you and your spirit and his spirit become joined together. And it creates a new identity, you're a new creature, a new creation in Christ. So you are no longer only human. You have the Spirit of God within you. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? And the reason why I'm sharing this is because we use that label, I'm only human, to give excuse for our mistakes. But, and that's not the big issue. But the issue is we use that and it will keep us where we're at. We'll say, I can't move any forward. I can't move any further. I can't overcome this because well, I'm only human. I mean, what do you expect? I'm only human. I've been told this and this and this all my life, so... This is how I'm always going to be. Yeah, we have anger issues in my family, so therefore I'm going to have anger issues. Or I'm, I've been diagnosed with I'm bipolar or schizophrenia or these different labels. And I'm not saying these aren't real situations or real uh, diagnosis and things like that. But the unfortunate thing is, is we grab a hold of what the doctor says and says, this is my identity now. This is who I am. Therefore, whatever this thing Whatever limitations it brings to the table, guess what? That's my identity now. And I don't know about you, but I see a whole different set of identities in the scriptures. I see a whole new set that God brings and wants to bring into our lives. So we can continue to grab a hold of and cling to the identity that the world gives us. That says you're a loser. You're never going to mount anything. You're this, you're that. You can hold on to that if you want to. Or you can begin to identify with and grab a hold of and agree with the identity that Jesus says about you. The choice is yours. It's mine and it's yours. Turn to John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8.
Verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. So Jesus was having a discourse, talking to some people. And during that time, apparently some of the Jews began to put their trust. They believed in Jesus. And then Jesus says to them, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word or if you continue in my word. See, these people came to believe and just, oh, we believe you, the son of God. We believe in you. Yeah, we believe that you're the man, that you're the one that God sent. But then he said, if you abide or continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word, then are you my disciples. Then you will know the word, the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So there are many people in the church who believe in Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. Do you know that the Great Commission... When Jesus told his disciples, he said, this is what I want you to do now. I want you to go into all the world and get everybody to believe in me. Is that true? Is that accurate? No. Now, believing in him is part of the process. Because he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. In other words, tell the good news about Jesus. That we as men and women, we've sinned, we've fallen short, we are hopeless without Without any hope of going to heaven. Because of our sin. And then Jesus came. Took our punishment upon himself. Gave us his righteousness. And so as we commit our lives to him. Submit to him. Then we're born again. And then we have the hope. Of being with him for eternity in heaven. So go and preach the good news. That's what he said. And he said these signs will follow those that believe. And he talks about some things there. But he didn't say just go preach. And so they believe. But he said go and preach the good news. And what was the main thing he said to do? Make disciples. So it's not enough just to believe in Jesus. There are many people in this church or in the church in general that believe in Jesus. And we think that because I believe in Jesus, then I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. I'm going to grow up in God and be a good Christian and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not true. Do you realize that the belief, that demons believe in Jesus? Is that going to change your situation any? No. The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. It's not enough to just believe in him. But you've got to believe in him. He wants us to become disciples. And he told them, he said to those who believed in him, If you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth. And the truth is what will set you free. And that word, no, he's talking about experientially become intimate with the word or the truth. You shall know the truth. You shall become acquainted with it personally. It's not just know the truth. It's not just know it mentally, but it's know it experientially. If you continue in my word. Then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And too many times we, we misquote that, and we say, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And we throw that out there. Everybody says amen, hallelujah, and we get all excited and everything. 
And that's only part of it. If you continue in his word, then you will know the truth. Then the truth will set you free. Now turn to Romans chapter 12. And I want to encourage you with this. And this is something we'll be talking about more at another time. But if you want to grow aggressively and move into the things of God's kingdom, then you have to become a disciple of Jesus. And basically a disciple is a learner, a student, someone who says, you know, okay, Jesus, I believe in you, so I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Whatever your word says, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to follow, agree with, I'm going to embrace it, breathe it. I'm going to do everything. That's, that's what a disciple is. A disciple is not someone who just comes to church on Sunday. You don't even have to believe in Jesus to come to church on Sunday. You can be an atheist and come to church on Sunday. So just coming to church isn't it. But it's a good start. I mean, it's okay. I'm not saying don't come to church. But becoming a disciple... Becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about what that means more another time. I guess I need to turn to Romans chapter 12. Another familiar passage, and we've gone over this a number of times. Verse uh, chapter 12, verse one, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Then verse two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We'll pause right there. Be do not be conformed, but be transformed. I want to submit to you that there's only two directions to go. You're either going to be conformed to this world. You're going to be conformed to the image that has been thrown on you. The lies that you've been told, you're going to be conformed to that. You're going to be conformed to what the world says, or you're going to be transformed. One or the other. One or the other. We have a choice, and he tells us, do not be conformed, but be transformed. In what area are they attacking when they say be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. The Bible in Proverbs, it says, as a man thinks, so is, so is he. As you think, as you think about yourself, that's how you are. That's who you are. And a lot of times you can tell what you're thinking. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart, whatever you truly believe in your core, that's going to come out of your mouth. And when you say and speak that, you are directing the course of your life. When you say, I can never get this right, I'll never understand this. And I want to say something, this is kind of another little tangent. Hopefully I'll get back on course. You students who are going to school and you're taking, let's say math, because math gets picked on a lot. Math is hard. I can't do math. I don't understand math. And we say that over and over and over. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you ever said that. But we get intimidated by something that God created and the Holy Spirit knows all about math. Would you agree with that? He knows all about it. 
And Jesus seemed to say at one particular time, I'm going to send you the helper. Now, who's that helper? Someone who knows all about math. Someone who created math. Someone who understands it in and out. So Jesus said, I'm going to send you this helper so you can flunk math. It's not what he said. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And do you think that the Holy Spirit is just here to help us, just here to help us understand the Bible? But he's going to help us understand the Bible. Or do you believe he's here to help us understand things in life? And if you're a student and you need to understand math, is that part of life? Yes, it is. So the point I want to make is. We need to stop saying, I can't do this. I can't get this. Because you've been given the ability, you've been given a helper to help you understand this. Holy Spirit, would you please help me to understand these math, math concepts, these principles? Father, thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for opening my, enlightening my brain so I can understand these things. Thank you that I now have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. What does that mean? That's just kind of a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you to answer that. What does that mean? Is Jesus bipolar? Is he schizophrenic? Now, I am not making light of those situations, but I am bringing them out because I want the truth to hit you hard. Because it so breaks the heart of God that his people are bound by the lies of the enemy and stuck in these situations. And their whole course of life is directed because they believe the lies of men. And they're going down this path that God has no intention for them to go down. Because of what this person has been diagnosed as. And so if I offend you or make you upset, know that my heart's in the right place. You have the mind of Christ. Now, of course, we don't understand all what that means. But I believe in a little speck of it, that means I'm going to be able to understand math. I'm going to be able to understand things. I'm going to be able to understand concepts and principles and and things. And so whether I'm doing school and I'm stuck, don't keep saying I'm never going to get this. I don't understand this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. But begin to say what the word says. You know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Holy Spirit, would you please help me? Help me to understand this. Of course, I'm using math as an example, but that applies to everything. That applies to everything. And one of these times, some of you are going to get so sick and tired of believing the lies. And you're going to wake up and realize I've been lied to and that's not the problem, but I've believed it. All these years. And I'm sick and tired of believing this. And I want to say one thing too. some of you. I know we've all said I've even said it too. We'll say something like, you know, you you have an opportunity to share a testimony and you come up here and you say, I'm not good at public speaking. 
I'm afraid to speak publicly. Now, it is a very scary thing. But I want to say, don't say that anymore. Now, the fact that you're nervous and everything, that's okay. But do not limit God from giving you the ability to speak passionately and effectively his word in front of a bunch of people. Are you with me on that? Because, see, he has called us to go and proclaim the truth. And that may require, well, it it will require you speaking one-on-one with people. Probably mostly. But it may also require you speaking in front of more than one person. And so don't limit yourself saying, I can't do this. I can't do that effectively or I'm afraid and that kind of thing. But when you're given the opportunity, don't say, God, I can't do this. Say, God, thank you for giving me the ability to do this. Now, what I'm saying may sound trivial. To some of you, it's real big, and I think you're getting it. And I'm using these these illustrations to get to a bigger truth here. Whether it's public speaking or whether it's doing math or whether it's other things on a bigger scale. We need to stop believing the lies. And we need to start embracing God's truth. And start aligning ourselves with his truth and believing what he says and saying what he says. Begin to say it over and over and over and over and over again. Amen. Coming to the finish line. Oh, yeah. Back in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what the will of God is, the acceptable, the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. So the key, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, how many of you want to know God's will for your life? Everybody would raise your hand. The key to understanding and moving towards God's will is being transformed versus being conformed. If you continue to allow yourself to be conformed to the pattern of the world, you're not going to want to do his will. I'm going to just tell you that. Because his will, his ways, and the world's ways are directly opposed. They're opposite. So the more you allow yourself to be conformed to the world and to line up with that, you're not going to want to do his will. You don't want it. And then you'll kind of put yourself in the, sense, in the position of, well, yeah, I want to know God's will. And what you're saying is, well, give me a little peek. I want to see if I agree with it. And then maybe let's say if he showed you, give you a little glimpse. Nah, I don't want that. Never mind. But when you allow yourself to be transformed, you're moving towards him. You're submitting to him. You're being discipled. You're growing in him. Then what he does is he changes your heart. He changes your mind, all this kind of stuff. And you want his will. You want it. And what will happen is you'll begin to pray and ask God and even beg God for things and then later realize, oh, that was his will for you in the first place. Does that make sense? That's what I found. I mean, I find myself just, oh, God, I want to do this. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. 
Like I'm trying to talk him into something. And he's saying, come on, you're moving in the right direction. Come on. In other words, he puts his desires in my heart. And then that's all I want. As I'm being transformed. But if I'm conformed to the world, not only will I not want to do it, but I won't believe that I can do it. Because the world says you can't. If you're of this socioeconomic status or this gender or this race or this whatever, you can't do it. But I want to encourage you with something. Regardless of your gender, regardless of your color, regardless of your socioeconomic status, how much money you have or don't have, regardless of what your circumstances are, You can do everything that God has called you to do. And some of us will believe the lie that, well, because I'm this color, I'm black. Well, because the way life is, then I'm not going to have all the opportunities that my white counterparts are going to have. So therefore, I'm ripped off. See, that's a lie that some of us people can fall into. I remember one time the Lord really dealt with that in my life. And with me, it wasn't necessarily color, race, or anything. I can't remember what it was now that I'm trying to remember. But whatever I used to have a hang-up on, I used to think that that thing was causing me or going to cause me from being able to get all all that God had for me. And the Lord began to show me and and reveal to me (coughs) that when it comes to the cross, when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God, we're all on the same playing field. It has nothing to do with color, has nothing to do with gender, has nothing to do with, with money, has nothing to do with size or all that kind of stuff. Things that man says are valuable. In other words, because I'm a certain person or whatever, that's not going to limit my growth, how far I can go in him, how much of his kingdom I can obtain. And he said, you can have as much of me as you want. Come and get me. This is what the Lord told me. If I draw close to him, he'll draw close to me. If I choose to take little bitty, itty bitty steps... To move towards him, that's my choice. If I run after him with big, giant steps, that's my choice. So what does this have to do with our tongue, the the words we say? Has everything to do with it. You know, there was something I used to do years ago when I first became a Christian. Uh, the brother, the pastor that led me to the Lord. I don't know if I got this from him or who I got it from, where it came from. But uh, I came across this. I was given this scripture page and it said um, the power of confessing God's word. And then there's a scripture that says death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says adapted from victorious Christian living by Larry Tomzak. And I got this paper. And it wasn't like this. This is kind of, I redid this. And it had a bunch of scriptures in it, and it had different topics. Like one topic is destiny. One is who we are in Christ. 
or God's love for me or victory or health or faith or boldness and others, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what I was challenged to do was to read this because it was like confessing God's word. Or it was confessing God's word. And what it does is put God's word in first person. And so you're confessing this about you. And give you an example. Like victory. It says, I am not an ordinary man or woman. I'm a, I'm a son of the living God. I'm not just a person. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm one of God's own people. I'm not under guilt or condemnation. I refuse discouragement. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan is a liar. I will not listen to his accusations. I'm not just a hearer of the word, but I'm a doer of the word. Therefore, I am blessed in my doing for faith without action is dead. It is done according to my faith. Therefore, I will not only confess the word, but I will be a doer of the word. I gird up the loins of my, my mind. I am cleansed in the blood. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and I shall refute every tongue rising up in judgment against me. My mind is being renewed by the word of God. I pull down strongholds. I cast down imaginations. I bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I am accepted in the beloved. If God before me, who can stand against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Nothing can or will separate me from the love of Christ. As the Father loves Jesus, so he loves me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not a slave of sin. I'm a slave of God and a slave of righteousness. I continue in the word. I know the truth and the truth has set me free. Because the son sets me free, I am free indeed. He who was born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. I've been delivered from the, out of the kingdom of darkness. Now I'm part of the kingdom of God. I don't have to serve sin any longer. Sin has no dominion over me. I will not believe the works of the devil. No longer will he oppress me. Surely oppression makes a wise man mad. I will get mad at the devil. I will defeat him by the blood of the lamb, the words of my testimony, and loving not my life unto death. He who began a good work in me will bring it unto completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Boldly I can approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and attain help. Mercy and grace for help in a time of need. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I begin to read this daily over and over and over. And it got to where I had this thing practically memorized. But do you see the effectiveness of reading something like this daily? And see what began to happen. I didn't realize what was going on. I was just doing it because... This is a good thing to do, CJ. Okay. I actually begin to believe this stuff. And then when I find myself in a situation, a challenging situation when the enemy or, or life or whatever is trying to oppress me, all of a sudden God's word begins to come. I begin to confess. No. I will not listen to the accusations of the devil. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am no longer under condemnation. You know, I just begin to quote whatever it was. And the interesting thing was, is I begin to believe God's word is truth. I begin to confess it over and over and over and over. But before you can confess God's word over and over and over, you have to read God's word over and over and over and over. Got to read his word to read it. And I want to challenge you. I know some of you at the beginning of the year, I encourage and challenge some of you to to do to find a daily reading program of the Bible and go for it. And I know at least one brother, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he's the one I, you know, we've been talking about it, but we're still going after it.
And it's so cool because sometimes when I don't know what should I read, well, I just do my daily reading. I mean, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. And I'm not talking about as out of a legalistic, well, you better read your Bible or else. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. Oh, you didn't read your Bible today? What kind of a Christian are you? Smack you upside the head, you know, good, blah, 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 blah. See, that's the enemy talking right there. Accusations. But I'm saying if you want to grow in Christ, if you want your faith to be strengthened, if you want to lay hands on the sick and see them healed and cast out devils and see the oppressed go free, if you want to preach the gospel without fear, if you want to move forward in the things that God has for you, if you want to go on mission trips and make a difference in people's lives, if you want to change the destinies of whole generations, if you want to do that kind of stuff, it starts right here. Right here. Because, see, you don't want to just go from confessing lies about yourself just to confessing positive things about yourself. I'm a happy person. I'm a happy, 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 happy person. I'm a real happy, happy. That's a bunch of nonsense. Because if I just got fired from my job, I'm not a happy, happy, happy person. But if I did just get fired from my job, I can still have the joy of the Lord because... The joy of the Lord is my strength, and the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, even if I lost my job. His joy has nothing to do with circumstances. Happiness has everything to do with circumstances. So I'm not talking about it substituting for the world's way of being happy and positive thinking. That is not what I'm saying. Any positive thinking I'm talking about is God's word, positive thinking. Amen? So here's what I want to challenge you with. Go and pull off them pink cards. <clears throat> now, first of all, these things right here, these little blue booklets, some of you ladies probably already have these because I know Lisa passed these out uh, a while ago at a, an event. But I have these available out there in the book, book table area. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Have these available and it has the price of a dollar on it. And yes, I'm charging a dollar for these. One, so that I can get more made. And two, so that you'll put something into it. So I don't want to just pass them out and give them everybody because half of them will end up on the floor. But if you really want one of these and you'll use it and you don't have a dollar, help yourself. But anyway, get these and just find a, a, a topic in it and go after it. But please do not do this, what I'm about to say. This is not a substitute for this. This is not your daily Bible reading. Are you with me? Because these scriptures are not in context. So you're not going to, this is to help you to learn God's word and, and, you know, and confession and everything. But this will not teach you God's word as far as the full counsel of God's word. Are you with me? So this is not a substitute for this. This is a supplement, a help, an encouragement. So I want to encourage you to get those, get this. Now, back to this right here. I'm abstaining from grumbling, complaining. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Remember Philippians 2, 14, I think it is. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. 
If you want to start taking your confession, the words that come out of your mouth, if you want to start taking that seriously and begin to train yourself, begin to move in a direction, I recognize that my words are important. There's power of life and death in the tongue. And I want to begin to move towards life and not death. Do you realize that many of us are speaking death into our lives and our situations because of what we're saying? And then we say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing this to happen? It says you are speaking death into your situation because of what you're saying. And one thing, one area that really will get us spiraling downwards is grumbling and complaining. And I can tell you this, God takes that personally. He takes grumbling and complaining personally. Because I, I believe my take on it is that when you're grumbling and complaining, it's kind of a, a backdoor insult towards God. Because God, if you were really in control, you're really in charge, then you'd be doing something about the situation. Grumbling and complaining. Children of Israel, God would bring them out of slavery, brought them into the desert. Oh, you brought us out here to die. There's no water. We're going to die of thirst. You brought us out here to die. That's why you brought us out here. And then he gave them water. And then they were happy for a few minutes. And then they got hungry. Oh, you brought us out here to die of starvation. It's like no matter what God did for them, they continue to find something to complain about. And like in America, we are so blessed, so affluent, every single one of us. We're so blessed, but our focus and our mouth gravitates towards what we don't have, the negative. I'm cold. I'm tired. I'm sick of my job. I'm sick of my family. I'm sick of the I'm blah, 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 blah. We can find all kinds of things to grumble and complain about. And every time you grumble and complain, you're saying, God, you're not doing good enough. God, you're not doing good enough about this. You're not doing good enough about this. God, I'm tired of this. Do something about it. I remember the picture the Lord gave me when I shared about this before. Remember my little dog was using the bathroom and then he decided to start snacking on some poo he found. Remember that? He did that again the other day, by the way. Like, stop! Where are those Flintstone vitamins? Quick. If you want to know what I'm talking about, you have to listen to the sermon a month ago. But the Lord was showing me that when we, because the thing about him eating the poo, that's okay. He can do what he wants. But when he does that and licks my face, oops, sorry, licks my face, that's not a good situation. And I didn't realize he was doing that. And anyway, you know, dog eating poo and then licking my face, not a pretty picture. But the Lord showed me, he says, when we grumble and complain and talk about people, gossip, grumbling, complaining, and then we come and worship him. It's like biting a piece of poo and then kissing God on the cheek. It's not a pretty picture, is it? I don't think he appreciates that. It's like, whew. Grumbling and complaining is a bigger deal than we realize. It's a bigger deal than we realize. If you don't believe me, ask the children of Israel. Look in the book of Numbers. People got wiped out because of their continuous grumbling and complaining. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. And I'm going to do this myself as well. 
I'm abstaining from grumbling and complaining. Now, the time frame is today's date, November 27th through December 31st, basically from now to the end of the year. And they say it takes you a month to begin to train yourself at different habits, train yourself out of a habit or, or a new habit. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you to commit to no grumbling and complaining. And I would even encourage you as a family to do this so you can keep each other accountable. So if you hear someone else grumbling and complaining in your family, say, hey, that's grumbling. And it's not, hey, that's grumbling. Yeah, I heard you. You know, it's not that kind of. But it's a, hey, let's as a family, let's try to move in this together. Let's encourage each other together, not beat each other upside the head with it. And so as a family, I would encourage you to say, we want to do this simply because we realize the importance of our words. And what will happen is if you make this commitment, you'll mess up, you'll slip up. But the Holy Spirit will remind you, oop, I just grumbled and complained, didn't I? And when you catch yourself, all you have to do is, Father, I'm so sorry I did that. Would you forgive me? You know what he'll do? No, I'm not going to forgive you. Just kidding, right? The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says, yes, I do. Keep going. Keep going. So I just want to encourage you because the purpose of this is to help train my thinking on my words, what I'm saying. And I believe you'll become more aware of how often you grumble and complain. Some of us might not get to talk at all. (laughs) Go ahead and stand with me. Now, this is a between you and God thing. This isn't a, I'm going to see if you're doing this or not. This is just a challenge and encouragement.